I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I have kind of a, well, let's call it a simple question. Let's keep it. Let's keep it easy. Let's not insult my own intelligence by saying it's a stupid question, though on some level it kind of is. But really, it's a simple one. Maybe it's profound. I don't know. You decide. You, you you're smart people. You can decide what is is and isn't profound. Certainly, I'm not the person to make those claims or decisions. So here's the question: What's employer brand for? Not. What is it? Not how do you define it? Not how do you measure it? Not who should be involved? Not what are the tactics around it? Not what's a good strategy look like? Just what's it for? It is a simple question, but I think how you approach the answer really helps you understand how you approach your job and what you think your job is and how you work with your boss and how you work with other people in the company and the candidates and the recruiters and the marketers and all the people involved in what you do. If you understand what employer brand is for, you're going to be able to do good work. And in fact, a lot of disconnect with employer brand and other teams is a function of having misaligned understanding of what employer brand is for. And that's what I want to talk about, just for a little bit. I think it's might be a short podcast, but I think it's a very important question I want to dive into, and we will get serious about it when we come back. Welcome to the TalentCast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis recording from Chicago. Uh, Two pieces of housekeeping before we jump into the stuff. Uh, The first piece of housekeeping, yes, today is the day the book is real. You can get it on Amazon. Talent chooses you. It is the book where... Honestly, it's the book I wanted to buy four or five years ago. It's, you know, I've, I've read other employer brand books, but I felt, you know, there was more to it. There was other things could be talked about. And this was the book I wanted. So I wrote it for you. So hopefully between big strategies and lots of little tactics and big ideas and, and helpful motivations and hints on how to approach your job better, hopefully the, the book is super, super valuable for you, the employer brander. It might also be super valuable for people you work with. If you want to help uh, other people, either your staff, your team, your team leads, your peers, your boss, to understand what it is we do, might be the perfect gift, might be the perfect suggestion. Take a look at the book. So anyway, link in the show notes. It's uh, bit.ly slash talent 
chooses you or just go on Amazon. You can get on Kindle or you can get paperback. Um, I haven't actually gotten a copy myself, so I don't know what it physically looks like, though my friend Audra, hey Audra, does have a copy. Somehow she beat me, the author, to it. Uh, I can't tell you how that works. So she says it looks great. So hopefully enjoy. There you go. Second piece of housekeeping. This is a little more interesting or a little different anyway. Um, I think I'd like to change the format up a little bit of this podcast. Now I've got a, I'm putting together a couple of bigger, I don't want to call them interviews because we all know I'm a crappy interviewer, but more conversations, bigger conversations with two of the, some of the smartest people in the industry, people I respect and adore their work and, and like as human beings as people. I want to bring them in. I haven't nailed down dates, but we're going to have them in. But after that, I want to try a new thing. And I think it might be useful. I think it might, you, I think you all might enjoy it or at least get something out of it, something deeper. And that is if you go to thetalentcast.com, if you scroll down a little bit, there will be a section where you can click a button and leave a message, 90 second message. And what I'd like you to do is this, just leave your name and tell me what your question is, any question at all. Now, The best part about this is I'm not going to be the only one answering this question. I'm going to try and bring other people on to tag team this with me, okay? So we can get not just my perspective, but somebody else's perspective. And trust me, I'm going to get smart people for this conversation, okay? So go to thetalentcast.com, go find the little link, click the button, leave a message, and give me a couple weeks. I'm going to get to it. It's going to take a while to kind of get this process ramped up. We're going to try this out, see if it works. If it doesn't, we'll try something else. All right, back to the podcast. So what is employer brand for, right? It seems simple. It's to, and usually, right, that's how you answer. Well, and then you kind of realize, huh, it is bigger than just what you think it is. So here's a couple obvious answers that are, well, from my perspective, they're wrong. The first most obvious answer, the answer I would expect to hear from most people either getting into employer brand or people who work with employer brand or don't quite, you know, get what we do. The answer is they fill the top of the funnel. Maybe they come up with different language. It's talent attraction, um, you know, brand marketing, that sort of thing. But it's really about helping encourage people to apply for jobs so that the recruiters can do whatever it is the recruiters do all day. I'm making a joke, recruiters, please don't get mad at me. Well, I mean, you can get mad at me, but not for that. That was silly. Anywho, talent funnel pipeline filling, right? You're just bringing the lambs to slaughter. You're just bringing them in and stuff them in the top of the pipeline, encouraging people to hit the old apply button, and then you move on to the next one. I think this is a real thin way of looking at what we do, right? Because, and honestly, even the answer itself suggests that there's missing pieces, It's, you know, you think about marketing itself. It's really easy to get awareness. It's really easy. Just go ahead and buy yourself a chicken suit and swing on down to Times Square with a big old sign that says, I'm an idiot, but this is the logo. And you will have lots of people taking your picture. Lots of people. And you'll have high brand awareness. Maybe not for the things you want to be aware of or what be known for, but high brand awareness. You will get people to go, I wonder what this company is, and they will look you up. You will get Google ratings, and people will search for you and maybe search for your jobs. And yay, you will have filled the funnel a bit, but with crap people. So you didn't really do your job. And that's the interesting part, right? If you say, I'm here to fill the top of the funnel, with whom? For whom? How does that work? How do you know when you're doing a good job? Is a million candidates better than two candidates? It's not. So thinking about the job as filling the funnel is really a limited way of doing the job. 
But if we think about it differently, if we think about what the purpose of employer brand is supposed to be, we can find another simple answer to that question, but is also deep in, you know, things you open up and kind of get into. So here's the answer I would give. The purpose of employer brand is to encourage the right people to want to work for you. Couple of things I want to highlight in that sentence. First off, right people. Now, when I type it out and I put right in quotes, I'm terrified that people think I mean right from a political standpoint, which is not at all what I mean. I mean the correct people, which of course also has its own kind of weird connotations, right? Um, someone had a really great list on Twitter. I think it was Adam. Um, oh gosh, it was this amazing list. Hold on. I'm actually going to look at it while I'm talking to you. Uh, do, 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 do. Yes, Adam Karpiak. Fantastic list. He asked people and recruiters, hey, give me your most racist example of work that's some, something someone's actually said to you, a hiring manager or, a, or a, a client has said to you. The list is brutal. It is painful. It is hard to read. It is ugly. But it's real. I believe every single one of those things was said. Anyway, I don't mean right as in one of us kind of. I mean value add. I mean culture add. I mean, and here's my important favorite part, perspective add, right? If you get a room full of white people and they're designing a product, having a black and or Hispanic voice says, hey, you know what? There are more than just a bunch of white people going to buy this thing. Here's some perspectives from other people who don't didn't grow up like you did, who see the world differently. And getting those perspectives helps you build better products. Simple as that. Anywho, getting off a soapbox onto a slightly lower soapbox. So, and I dropped my headphones. This is a dangerous podcast today. I'm getting into it. I'm dropping headphones. Um, so, right, getting the right people, which is you know, people who are, have the, have the skills that you're looking for, people who are motivated by the things you reward, right? We've talked about that. If you reward stability, don't look for the right people as being people who like change and chaos. I am not going to be a person who's going to be super happy at the post office because I kind of dig chaos. I kind of dig change. Uh, the joke about who moved my cheese. Hi, how you doing? That was me. I'm the guy who likes to make change happen. Am I the only one? Heck no. Lots of people like it. And those people should choose not to work at the post office. They should choose not to work at most of state government, in fact, most of any government at all, to be perfectly honest. There are lots of great places where you are rewarded for encouraging change, to make change happen, to shake things up and, and move things towards the better. There are plenty of great places to work. Conversely, if you're the kind of person who is rewarded or likes to be rewarded for teamwork, guess what? There are plenty of companies that it's all individual achievement, right? Sales may not be the role for you. Sales is a role where your bonus or your salary is a function of your bonus, which is a function of the amount of sales you make, right? There are certain jobs, certain people where that alignment doesn't fit. So when you say you're looking for the right people, you're looking for the people who will be deeply successful at your company, who would enjoy working for you, whose values and motivators align with the things you reward, right? This is getting more complicated, isn't it? There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. The other most important part of this sentence is the word want. So much of recruiting is, it feels like you're bending people's arms and 
pinching their ears and pulling out the ears to beg them to get them to apply, right? Please, just to hit the button. Just, hey, and you know, I've seen recruiters and they do these little games like, hey, I've got a perfect job for you. Let me know if you'd be interested in talking about it and then I'll show you the actual job posting. Like, don't be coy. If I'm looking for a, a job, trust me, I should have seen that on one of the various job boards. You're not being coy about this. Stop trying to tease me into communicating with you. Hey, just be useful. Why don't you say, hey, I'm filling this role. You seem like an amazing candidate. I would love to just talk to you to see if you'd make, if this would make sense for you and if it would make sense for us. So many ways to do it. But the way so many recruiters, I'm not saying all, I'm saying so many because my numbers feel pretty solid. Um, So many recruiters, it feels like you're trying to trick people into talking to you. Well, look, I'm in a sales game. I know what that's like. Some days it feels like I feel like I'm trying to trick people into talking to me. And I'm like, I I hate that. I feel like what I sell is fairly useful to the right person. I'm just trying to find the right person, find the thing, the person who goes, yes, that stuff is useful. I I want to talk more about that. I should never, ever feel like I'm trying to trick people. And most recruiters don't feel like they're trying to trick people. But from the other side of it, it feels like it right? You leave things off the job posting. You hide the logo of the company because you're terrified. You're going to find out that it's, I don't know, CrossFit. Um, it, that's just, that's a topical joke, kids. Topical. That's, that's, that's how on top things I am. Um, right? <laughs> Even I can't stand me sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And I'm not editing that out. The goal of employer brand is to not try and trick people to apply. The goal of, and look, I mean, let's take another tack. Look at how much of technology, and this isn't to bemoan technology, but to simply say we might be heading in the wrong direction on some of this. How much of the technology is all about how to make the application faster, how to make it quicker, right? We're not so much making people want to work at this place. We're simply saying, look, if you've got to apply someplace, let's do it in a place that's easy, Right? And like the, the Domino's pizza motto for so long, it may not be good, but it's fast. It's completely missing the point. Okay, look, if this is a job that I'm absolutely all in, if I learn about it, I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. I'm not going to mind filling out a 20 minute, you know, application. If this is a job where it feels like I'm filling out an application where you're asking me crazy questions and making me retype in my resume, which I mean, really still come on. But if I just kind of so-so on the job, I'm not going to get over the hurdle. I'm not going to spend the time to do it. And if I do, I'm going to half-ass it, which is actually detrimental to both me and to you because now you have to read my half-ass application, say that six times fast, and kind of waste your time burning through it and decide, okay, is it half-ass because he or she might be so good that they're half-assing this because they think it's stupid to go through this process? Or are they really just half-assing things because... They're a half-assed kind of person. I can't figure that out. Guess what? You've added uncertainty in the conversation and suddenly everybody's, you know, poorer for it, right? So much technology is about you can get people to apply via chat bot in a way that doesn't feel like applying because everybody knows the application process is so onerous. It still feels like a trick. <laughs> still feels like, hey, don't pay attention to the fact that it feel, that you're actually applying for a job when it doesn't feel like you're applying for a job. The goal of employer brand, and the most important word in that whole sentence is the word want. The goal of employer brand is to make people want to work for that company. 
Not, I will be okay with it. I'd accept will. I'd be accept that job if it was given to me. I will deign to take the job. But to say, I absolutely get what this company is about. I absolutely, my personal motivators align with what they reward. Our value systems are pretty close enough that I can see how I can add some value and feel good about myself and feel good about the organization I'm moving forward. I think I really want to work here. That's the goal. That's the goal. We want to get people to want to work there. That's, but I think that's completely missed in, in a lot of what we do, right? We're all focused on those metrics. We're trying to game the system. We're trying to tweak systems. We're trying to tweak processes to encourage people to apply. Look, if you, if people want to apply, you're tweaking the system won't or make them apply or make them not apply. If you can create true demand, being a slightly more complicated means of completing that sale isn't going to change your sales ratio. If I think about the, think about the iPhone, think about for years and years and years, every time a new iPhone dropped, there was a line around the Apple store of people who would wait for hours to get the phone. One year, that person was me. It was a completely insane. I just, I had a moment where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to go to work today. I was literally walking to work. <laughs> I passed the line. I went, Oh, today's the day of the new iPhone. Yeah, I'm just going to get in line. I'll just tell, I'm just going to text my, my boss. I'm going to be an hour late. I was two hours late. Wild thing to do. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but people wanted it so much. They didn't care that it wasn't one click orderable. They didn't care that it wasn't necessarily going to be in stock the second they got it. it. They didn't care about that stuff. It was hard to buy. I mean, legitimately hard to buy. I stood in line for two hours. In outside, I think it was in September in Chicago, which means it was probably a pretty warm day, right in the sun in the morning. It was a pain in the ass. But I love that phone. And I was willing to endure that thing because I wanted the thing. I wanted the phone. And therefore, I was willing to stand outside in the heat and just kind of deal with it in a line full of strangers. And everybody knows I don't like doing that. But I was willing because the demand was there. Imagine if people, if the right people wanted to work at your company as much as I and millions of other people wanted an iPhone. It was a four, by the way. I remember that. It was an iPhone four. It was really cool. The, the beveled edges, which was the crazy new design. Anyway, that was complete side note. Isn't, right? Isn't that the goal? If people want to work at your company as much as they want to get an iPhone four in 2000 and whatever the year that was. Who cares what the platform is? Who cares what your Glassdoor reviews are? Who cares what your social media says? Who cares what your content is? Who cares what your tech stack is? Who cares? At the heart of employer branding is creating desire, creating demand, right? We talked about this before. You want to encourage people to want to work there. And that is the core of what we do. To do it properly, well, that's a more complicated issue, right? You have to know things like what people want, right? I didn't stand in line for an iPhone and I was like, what does it do? I knew exactly what it did. The commercials told me what it did. I had an iPhone uh, 3, then it was 3, so it was two years old. So it was the 3, the 3S, and then the 4. So I had a 3, which is the second generation phone, which of course is stupid, um, the naming conventions. I mean, really? Come on. Um, 
I had one. I used it. I really, really liked it. But I could see how having a more advanced version was going to make my life, quote unquote, better. Right? And a great video camera. I had all these features and tools. It was gorgeous looking. All the stuff. I wanted it. They created the demand via building an audience, making the product very cool, building a marketing campaign. They stoked demand. I also want to point out to extend this metaphor just a little bit further, that for the most part, Apple does not push its marketing messages out to Android users. It doesn't. Apple makes most of its money on iPhone sales from people who have already bought an iPhone. They're buying the next version, or they skip a generation, it's time to upgrade. Whatever their process is, Apple markets to other iPhone users. They're not there to try and say, hey, people who like Android and hey, people who like OnePlus and hey, people who like Pixels, hey, jump over the fence back to us because it's such a pain in the butt to jump over the fence, to get all new sorts of apps and all new sorts of, you know, hey, that app doesn't work because there's not an iPhone version of it. So you have to get this version of it. You have to learn all the different situations and swipey bits, right? It's a different model. So for the most part, Apple generates demand to its own internal audience of customers, which is fascinating. Because it means you don't actually have to spend as much time and energy to build that demand because the demand is already there. You just have to tap it. You just have to leverage it a little bit. You have to encourage people to say, hey, maybe don't wait three years between phones. Wait two years. We know these are expensive products. You're not the kind of person who has that kind of money to throw around every single year to get a new one. But don't wait three years. Wait two years. That's a lot of what the underlying messaging is. It's also then in the last two or three years, hey, you have an iPhone. You love the iPhone. You know what you need? A watch to go along with it. Hey, you know what you need? Earbuds specially designed for your phone. They're trying to extend inside that marketing message. No, they're not pitching those earbuds to Android users. They're not. Would they work? Yeah, but they don't because it's not about that. It's about seeing the audience that they've created demand and you lever you get to extend more demand to create more desire. So when you're thinking about your next campaign, when you're thinking about your next tech stack, when you're thinking about your next employer brand project, I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, is this creating desire? Is this creating true demand? Am I creating an audience of people who want to work there? So much of our recruitment marketing, so much of our employer branding is predicated on the idea that when someone decides to go look for a job, they have a a window of opportunity for them to absorb information about new jobs of about two months, right? They start thinking about looking for a job. Maybe they kick around on a job board. Maybe they look around on LinkedIn. Maybe they look at a glass door. Then they apply and then they go through the candidate experience, at which point they get a new job and they stop looking for a new job. They figure two, three, maybe three months. But when you create desire... Desire doesn't go away in three months. If you say, we're going to position our company to be the dream company for a very certain kind of person, that person doesn't just say, okay, I'd like to apply for a job. No, you create demand, you create desire, and they wait for the right opportunity to apply. When they don't get it, they create connections with people who already work there. They learn more about that company. They spend a lot of time thinking about the long game of how do I get there one day because this is a dream location for someone like me. Isn't that a radically different conversation than how do I get more people to apply? Isn't that a radically different conversation than how do I get a higher share of market or get a a better glass door review ratings, right? Isn't that a better conversation to be having? 
Yes, it's slower and that's a problem and that may be an issue to solve, but it's a better conversation to have. The more you think about what employer brand is for as a function of creating desire, of getting people to want to work for you, to not feeling like you're pulling teeth to cajole people into applying for a job, not only do you attract more of the right kind of people who are better fits, culture ads, all that sort of good stuff, but you're lowering the cost of what it takes to get that person to apply. You've seeded the ground with all the marketing messages they need to say, I get Why? I'm just waiting for the right time. And that is a very different place to be. And that's a place I want you to be. So that's what I had to say. I just want to make sure you all understand that maybe creating demand is a better way to go and just maybe a slightly different way of thinking about it. So as I said, go read the book, go buy the book, Talent Chooses You. Go to thetalentcast.com and leave a question. I will try to answer all the best ones. All right. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of The Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk. That's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Thank you. If you've shared it, please share. If you haven't rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again. And uh, we'll see you next week. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.